Well, good evening, everyone, and what a Sunday it was at the Coliseum as the Rams improved to 2-0. They have not trailed, and we are joined by their head coach, Sean McVay. Good evening, Sean. Thank you for being here with us, and congratulations on another great start to a new year. Thank you. Yeah, it's good to be here. It's good to be 2-0, and and, and now let's uh, let's have a great week, see if we get to 3-0. place was rocking, man. That was fun. It was. Yeah, it was. You know, the fans showed up in a big way, and... Uh, it was a great atmosphere, and the players delivered, and that's exactly what we'd hope for. I hope that's week in and week out, not just because the Saints were coming to town. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I mean really, I think that's been can, pretty consistent. That's what the atmospheres have been like. The fans have shown up, and um, you know that's exactly what we want in our home atmosphere. Two weeks in a row, you start on defense with the takeaway. That's a good formula for success. It's big, yeah. And really, you know, it was an unbelievable play by Eric Weddle where you talk about making a great break out of the post, uh, hitting him in the strike zone, ball bounces up, Bryce Hager tips it to John Johnson, and that was a huge play for us. Get some momentum going. I thought our defense was really outstanding from the jump. It, it was really fun to watch those guys uh, play yesterday. Today, I mean, in today's NFL, that's usually a flag when you when you bang a guy like that. I mean, to do it legally, get the turnover was amazing, but just speaking to how good Weddle is in it this is game. it really is and and you know how smart he is how aware he is uh his big picture understanding you know drew was kind of trying to manipulate a single high structure and, and pump a little bit and opened up the seam and, and eric made a great break and it ended up leading to a big turnover for us sean would it be fair to say that a game like yesterday an opponent like the saints is is illustrative of why you built the defense the way you did whether it's adding versatility at safety and taylor rap getting in there in week two or the speed in the linebacking core bolstering your edge rush i mean it all came to fruition yesterday against those threats it really did and and you know to be able to keep up with a great offensive unit like that you know you got to do a good job of kind of countering and having those joker type players and being able to create pressure with some four-man rushes and then just changing up the picture that they're seeing and um, i thought our guys did a great job i thought our coaches put together a great game plan and then ultimately it's about the players execution and they did that i mean that's like the least we've ever talked about Alvin Kamara in a football game. Yeah, he's he's phenomenal. And I, and I thought, for the most part, we bottled him up pretty good. Um, you know, it doesn't mean that, that we weren't aware of him. And, and you know, you got to know where he is at all times. But really just, you know, all around in terms of what they present offensively, the different personnel groupings, the variations, uh, the sound scheme, all those things. Um, really, our defense did a nice job matching a great unit yesterday. Uh, we know. I mean, look, when you end the game in victory formation, we say this, it's always the greatest play in football, right? Yep. A win is a win. I mean, does it take any Anything away from you that Breeze got knocked out early? Well, I don't think you ever, ever want to see that, DeMarco. I mean, he's such a great player. He's great for this game, you know, what he's about, you know, the, the way that he's played this game. So nobody ever wants to see a player like him get injured. Um, you know, our guys played good when he was in there, but, you know, you never want to see a player get injured. You know, that's that's something that, that you hope for the best. Uh, hopefully he'll be able to make it back sooner than later, but those are things we never wish on anyone. Just to extrapolate that into the big picture, I mean, tonight's a perfect example. Sam Darnold can't go with mono. The year started with Andrew Luck retiring, Nick. Foles, broken collarbone, Big Ben done for the year, elbow surgery, yeah. and then Breeze at the Coliseum yesterday. Any thoughts, any perspective on just kind of what we're experiencing at the quarterback position right now? Well, you see how important the starters are and, and really what they mean to a unit in terms of their leadership, their ability to be able to just command the you know the offense. And um, when you when you lose your guy, that's a big drop-off. And, and you know, in certain situations you feel better about than others when you just look around the landscape of the league. But uh, it's hard. It's You see why these guys are compensated the way that they are. There's a, It's a special, rare group of 
people. Uh, fortunately for us, we've got two guys that have played in a lot of big-time games, but um, we're hopeful that we'll stay healthy. I mean, that was my thought with Blake Bortles. If he were to be thrown into a similar situation, how comfortable are you that you could continue to operate the way you do with Jared? Well, I think that the, the thing you always want to do is adjust and adapt to your player skill sets. And, um, you know, both Blake and Jared give you the ability to operate in a lot of the normal things that you want to do. And then there might be certain things that we do with Jared that we would do differently with Blake. But, um, you know, Blake's played in a bunch of big-time games, as has Jared. And, and that's something that we feel really fortunate. It's why we wanted to be able to solidify that backup spot behind Jared you know, when you have a chance to be able to get a player like uh, Blake Bortles, who's played in so many big-time games, has that experience to draw on. It's a real benefit to your team, and um, you know, hopefully Jared stays healthy. No doubt. Let me ask the smart guys, what the hell is mono anyway? I thought it was a kissing disease. No? Well, that's what it said. They is say that what it is. Happy Days told me yeah. that's what it was, right, mono back in the day? Yeah, yeah, who knows? I mean, I, I've never heard that before. Taking out a guy for six weeks. Unbelievable. <laughs> Richie Cunningham was back in the day. I'm just saying. No. You just wanted to follow up your underwear comment from last week. A little week bit. No, a little bit. Too. Come on. Uh, it's, you know, <laughs> right. Stakes are raised. But, no, uh, just a big environment, big game, and I thought that your quarterback played well getting the ball out. Uh, there was some pressure on him, but finding ways to get the ball out to open guys, I thought was that was the game to me. Yeah, he did a great job there, and and really there were some instances where he had to negotiate a tight pocket and make some contested throws, and and that's what you uh, you know that's what you love. He, he did a great job with that. I thought he made some big time throws that you know you look at the third play of the game offensively, the throw to makes that he makes to Brandon Cooks, uh, some of the other ones you oh, know man. just the Cooper with guys in his face, and and he consistently you know just kept that even keel demeanor and made some big crunch time plays when we had. I've never seen a guy catch one directly over his head. Over a shoulder, yeah, but, I mean, coming directly over his yeah. Good throw, good catch, good everything. Great execution by those two guys right there, wow. third and long. I'm talking about the catch of Brandon Cooks. We'll dig into the offense a little bit coming up on this Coach McVay show. He is the head coach of your Los Angeles Rams, Sean McVay. With DeMarco Farr, I'm J.B. Long. Let's wrap up this first segment with the latest on the injury or front. And you did sustain some uh, serious ones yesterday, at least it looked like in the moment, whether it be Austin Blythe, Tyler Higby, or Aaron Donald, who thankfully was able to return. 24 hours later, what's the latest? Yeah, you know, got some good news on Tyler. He just went to, you know, he has a lung contusion. It'll be day by day. Um, Austin Blythe has a, has a low ankle sprain, which is, which is good, and, and he'll continue to be day by day. And then, um, and you know, the same thing with Aaron. You know, he was able to return. He's feeling good, uh, but we'll continue to monitor that oblique strain that he had. But, you know, he's so violent that, you know, some of those, you know, the way that he's able to maneuver, maneuver his body is pretty impressive. But he came back in and made a big impact as the game continued to go. Tyler Higby tweeting tonight, thank you to everyone for the well wishes and support. I feel great and ready to get back to work ASAP. As for Blythe, I mean, you have not been faced with this, and maybe it's a situation week three, hopefully not, but where you have to have an offensive lineman miss a start due to injury. For right. The better part of two years and change now. It really, you know, we've, we've been really fortunate. You know, the, the only thing that's happened is, you know, there's been a couple times where we've had maybe a guy get banged up and somebody's got to come in in the middle of a game, but usually those guys end up returning. But, you know, for Jamil Demby to step in and do what he did, he played 40 plus snaps in a big time game. There were some situations. I mean, you look at the long Cooper Cup touch, or not touchdown, but play that went down to the six inch yard line. Uh, Jamil's battling against Cam Jordan, and he was fighting, and, and he gave us just enough time for Jared to be able to get it off. But he came in and was, uh, you know, did a nice job. It was it was good for Jamil to get that experience. Give the guy the touchdown, man. That's what I'm saying. Come on, man. I mean, after all that, 
It was you impressive. know, let it go. Give them six points. Come on, that was great, right? Uh, any thoughts on how you approach this week at that position, though, in terms of how to prepare for the Browns just in case, whether it's internally or externally with solutions? Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely use our, you know, we've got two guys, you know, and, and you know, you look at David Edwards, Jamil Denby stepping up yesterday, uh, Bobby Evans, we ended up getting Sheldon Coleman. So there's some guys on our roster, um, you know, that we feel like can fill that void if that's what the case is going to be this year how is or it this di- week. How is it different when you do have that week of preparation as opposed to, as we've seen in-game, having to make that adjustment, knowing who your interior or exterior backup is? Yeah, it is. It's it's a little bit different. I think you can have a little bit more foresight on, uh, okay, what's the game plan, maybe who matches up better personnel-wise exactly, you know, getting those guys a chance to go through the normal week of preparation. And, you know, to Jamil's credit, you know, he didn't really have any snaps, you know, throughout the course of the week other than when he's really working in a service role. Uh, so to be able to come in, seamlessly adjust and adapt, and then be able to execute the game plan the way that he did is a, is a real credit to Aaron Cromer and really Jamil. And you made a decision at least through two games so far this year to go with two active tight ends. So when you miss Higby for a half, that yeah. means it's all Gerald all the time, yeah. and you get some help from your receivers, of course. Yeah, it was that was that was a tough situation, and those are some things that you got to continue to look inward and figure out. All right, is this the best way to approach a JB? Uh, do you want to leave yourself susceptible to some of these situations that can come up just based on one injury? And so, uh, yesterday was a credit to you know you you recognize Jamil and what he did, but for Gerald to play as many snaps, uh, you know he's done a great job for a football team over the last couple years but then when you look at him playing an increased role almost playing every single snap obviously after Tyler went down he did do that Um, I thought he did a good job you know and and he's going to continue to get better and more comfortable as he plays more so uh, again two things you know two guys that got a lot of experience that they wouldn't have otherwise that I think will benefit those individuals for sure all while the Rams pulled away in the second half for a 27-9 victory over the Saints in the rematch of the NFC title game. Now they turn their attention to a trip to Cleveland primetime in week three. We continue with the Coach McVay show after this. DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long, the head coach of your Los Angeles Rams, Sean McVay, on the other side, a defensive dominant performance against New Orleans. Kamara takes the handoff. He slides to his right. He pushes the pile. I don't know if he got there. He didn't get it. Thrown back. This should be Rams football. And the officials signal a turnover on downs. How about that mob squad front up against Kamara? They turn him away. One of the most dangerous threats in the game, Alvin Kamara. 13 carries, just 45 yards on the ground and only one reception. Uh, Just a week ago, Sean, we were sitting here talking about Christian McCaffrey going for over 200 from scrimmage and how similar the test would be going up against Kamara and the Saints. Again, the caveat being that you lose a first ballot Hall of Famer, Andrew Brees along the way. But nonetheless, that was great improvement, great stride from week one to week two for your defense. It really was. That was a big point of emphasis, you know, just to see uh, what a great player he is, the different ways that they utilize him. And um, I thought our defense answered the bell in a big way, and, and we were always aware of where he was. I thought our run defense as a whole just swarmed into the football. Uh, it was a physical performance from, you know, from the jump, like we said. And then I thought our coverage was really good and had some good plans to try to minimize the impact that it great player like him has on the game i think most people talked about your linebackers most in the offseason oh there's a problem bryce hager's gonna hager's gonna start that's a problem there those two guys have played great football for two straight weeks especially yesterday they've done a great job they've really played good football um you know you look at just the consistency that Corey littleton's played with over the last couple weeks uh he's been instrumental in a lot of our success and then bryce when he's been in there uh with certain personnel groupings that will activate you know he's been really steady he's really been solid he's continuing to do a great job on teams as well and those two guys you know uh under coach barry's leadership have done really well 
That being said, against that offense, uh, it's like your three safety look is base defense, right? And it was reflected in Taylor Rapp's numbers, 62% of defensive snaps. I mean, he looks the part in just two games as a pro. He does. He's got a great feel. Uh, we're able to utilize him in a couple different ways, and I think you'll only see that grow as the season progresses. Mm-hmm. But it's not too big for him. You know, you can see he's one of those guys, the same reason that you loved him at Washington. He's always around the ball. He's just got great instincts, good awareness. Um, and, and really, for a rookie, he has certainly looked like a mature player in his first two games as a pro. Jared Cook, the new piece of that offense, you saw him in Oakland way back at the start of last yeah. season. And on that first takeaway, the other two safeties combined, John Johnson and Eric Weddle, coming off a concussion, sure delivered the hit. He did, yeah, and, and he was smart about it, too. You know, he, he, he was legal, kept it in the strike zone, but you could see uh, what a tough competitor he is. To be able to have him for the whole game, what he means to our unit with the communication, the command, the mastery that he has, um, you know, he's, he's a special player and really special leader, does a great job, and then for those guys to be able to make that play was big from the jump. I kept trying to tell people when we were talking about his leadership, 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 and that's all great. Yeah. Don't forget, this guy can play, too. Oh, yeah. yeah no, he can make he, he's, he's a big-time player. He's got great movement. Um, you know, he's physically, he's still got it. I mean, he's, he's out there. He is physical. You feel Eric Weddle on the field. But then, you know, it can't be underappreciated, the amount of communication that's required pre-snap, especially from an offense like what New Orleans does, the way that they operate, the way they get in and out of the huddle, the way they change personnel groupings, and some of the things that we were doing specific to the game plan, um, you know, it was it was big having basically a coach on the field with Eric yesterday. Just one thing, after that big turnover, the place is going nuts, and I saw him like two seconds later, and it looked like nothing happened. Like it's a play, he moved on, and everyone else is excited about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, he, a pro. he gets excited about it, and then it's time to move on, regather yourself, and let's focus on seeing if the offense can capitalize and get some points. So, um, you know, he, he gets excited, but he stays in the moment. He doesn't ever get too high, get too low, and, and that's the epitome of a pro like you're mentioning. He's the head coach of the Los Angeles Rams, Sean McVay. I'm J.B. Long with DeMarco Farr. We're live here at Cal Lutheran in Thousand Oaks. Uh, how about your other veteran acquisition, Clay Matthews, with a sack in each game so far? He's done a great job, and really I thought he played consistent, uh, especially just you know with his back being a little bit tighter this week. Uh, you could see he looked really healthy. He had a great rush that led to that sack, you know, double swipe coming around the edge, uh, consistently affected the run game. You could see even they try to run a couple swap boots. He's got a good feel for picking off you know, a guy in the flat and being able to match it and um, he's really he's done a really good job you know and played two good productive games for us so far how the heck do you coach clay matthews i mean what hasn't he seen well uh, <laughs> he, he's he's very coachable because he wants to continue to improve but he's one of those guys like eric and really like a lot of veteran players that we do have uh that can you know be as much you know we want to give them that ownership and their feedback is important we we want to make sure that they're comfortable with what we're asking them to do and if they have an idea or they have something that we feel like is a good thing to implement we'll certainly listen to them as well but but Chris Shula has done great with him you know all these pass rushers I'm reminded of the fact that it doesn't always translate to a sack I mean you've had mm-hmm. some really valuable holding calls whether it be Fowler in Carolina Aaron Donald Michael Brockers yesterday as well I mean all these negative plays put the Saints in some really bad positions in terms of down and distance yesterday they did they end up being like you know negative plays because it bumps it bumps them back you know and, and you play them you're playing behind the sticks then and you know for our guys to consistently create that many opportunities even though it doesn't show up on the stat sheet maybe it should you know if you end up drawing a holding penalty for what that 
that uh, affects in terms of the rest of the drive and how hard it is really to overcome those penalties. And you've had a, you just mentioned a handful of guys that have done that over the first couple of weeks, which has been big. We talked about so much versatility too. I want to tie it into Aaron Donald, and you can look at it through your your offensive eyes if you want. But to know what his caliber is and to have to deal with him over your center, over your guard, and over your tackle within a game, what kind of challenge does that present in offense? It's big challenges, you know, when you you because you want to have a plan to account for okay, where is he going to be, and how can that affect the way that we want to try to utilize our protection plan, and when he's all over the place, and, and we can try to create some different matchups, you know, that's favorable for us, and, and we want to try to continue to put him in advantageous situations, and and if we can do that, then that's a good thing. I would say, like, it's almost unfair to think he can make every single play, but it's almost warranted, you know, like when he's out there against, and he's single-blocked, even doubled, he should win, and he does. He's so unique, and, and you know, he enables us to do some things that you wouldn't otherwise do. Um, in a lot of instances, you know, he is a great reflection of making the other 10 around you better because of what, it, what that enables us to do in terms of some of the opportunities it creates for those other guys because he does so often draw some attention. And so uh, those are things that we'll continue to look at, but but he's made a big impact, and he did in a lot of, a lot of plays yesterday. The short yardage play, we just the, the sound bite uh, when Kamara got stopped. He he absolutely crushed it. I mean, you did it on the strong side, held the point, but he crushed down the weak side. There's nowhere to go. He did, yeah. Really, everybody up front, you know, we got great push from everybody in that specific instance, you know, to stop him on fourth and one. That was a big momentum boost for us. And uh, the, the defense just continued to respond, snap in and snap out. To be able to keep a unit like that out of the end zone, you know, you can't say enough about their effort yesterday. The Coach McFay Show is presented by In and Out. That's what a hamburger is all about. Coming up next, a breakdown of the offensive performance. But before we do, how about uh, Bones Fossil? I know you gave him a game ball and what his special teams group was able to do week to week. They did a great job responding. And, you know, we, we have some higher standards than what maybe we performed up to our first week. Uh, but if you're if you're talking about a confidence and a belief in, you know, their leader, the player's ability to respond behind, you know, John Fossil and Matt Daniels and then really the core group of guys we have, they had a focus, they had a resolve about them themselves this week throughout their preparation and then I thought it showed in their performance uh, really in all those phases I thought we were pretty tight yesterday let them have it Jojo yeah that, that was yeah. There you go. <laughs> the Coliseum was rocking it's like you were return. saying that return. one had everybody live all right next the Cooper Cup catch the should have been touchdown Sean McVay will walk us through it as we continue with the coach McVay show live from Cal Lutheran on ESPN LA 710 Goff under center First down Rams. He play fakes. He rolls out to his right. Gets a block from Cooper Cup. Goff in space. Throws back to Gerald Everett. Shakes a tackle. He's got the 10. He's fighting for yardage down to the 8-yard line. First down and goal Rams. Goff outside the numbers right. Throws across his body back inside to Everett. All right, Gerald Everett playing big reps in that second half with Tyler Higby injured in a win over the Saints. We continue from Thousand Oaks to Marco Farr, J.B. Long, and the head coach of your Rams, Sean McVay. All right, we promised it on the uh, previous side of the commercial. Uh, the touchdown that wasn't, but should have been, and one of the highlights of Cooper Cup's career. Uh, thrilling for so many reasons, and I, I would just love to have your take on the whole play start to finish because there's a lot that we probably missed that uh, went into making that happen. Well, you know, it was a th- I'll tell you what was a big play is the second and 12 before then, you know, by Malcolm Brown, where Jared does a great job. We were in an empty set. He finds Malcolm underneath for an eight-yard completion to get him in a third and four where, you know, he got a better chance of getting certain looks. And, and we decided to get into an empty formation, and they brought five 
They brought a five-man rush, which means we're five for five up front, and we got single-high man coverage. And, and Cooper was isolated against Marcus Lattimore, and uh, he did a great job. Kind of had a little option route right there, and you could see it looked like Allen Iverson crossing mm-hmm. somebody up. With, you know, If you can just envision a basketball in his hands. Um, broke in. Jared did a great job sitting on his back foot. And like I said, Jamil Demby just gave him enough time uh, right before Cam Jordan got there. Jared delivers a perfect ball. And then what was as exciting as anything is, you know, after Cooper makes the catch, you know, you watch the way that he's able to get the stiff arm, and then you see Robert Woods come in like a missile out of nowhere to pick off, um, you know, Marcus Williams, and then it also knocks off, you know, Lattimore there. Then you see Brandon Cooks get a block, and then, you know, as it kind of springs all the way down to the end, you know, Robert Woods gets in on it again with, I think it was A.J. Klein and P.J. Williams right on the goal line. But, you know, you talk about guys competing for one another, unbelievable individual effort by Cooper, but then you see the way that their teammates play. They play so hard for each other, you know, finding, you know, when you look and see Robert Woods and you see Brandon Cooks compete without the ball in their hands, wanting to see Cooper succeed and finish that play. That, that was fun. That's what's special about our team. I don't know how you guys do film study on Monday. Do you offense, defense, special teams, like, separate? But that might be something I'd show the entire football team. Oh, you bet you we did. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, we. Uh, so we do all the individual stuff, and then we'll bring together and, and make sure that you recognize some of those really great plays or some things that we need to address as a team with the whole unit. And that's important because I think it gives each side of the football an appreciation for what uh, the other one's doing. You know, obviously the, the the team's factor is so important for us, and so those are things that we do every Monday. You know, we watch the film with their position coaches or with their units. But then we always bring some stuff together with the team and, and hit that in front of the whole group. Uh, Cups five catcher for 120, second only in his career to the uh, Thursday night contest against the Vikings last year when he went for 162. Uh, Robert Woods almost maybe should have had a touchdown of his own on uh, a legal block in the back by Joe Nopum. How did you see that play, and how do you maybe coach it differently or teach it differently so that that flag doesn't come out yeah, next time? Yeah, I think you want to stay, you know, you want to make sure that you're frontal and connected, and then, you know, when you end up being, you know, anywhere in position where it looks like it's a block in the back, you know, those are the things that I think they're looking for. So it's always important for us to get clarity from, from Al Riveron and the official's office and, and so that we can coach it better for our players. And, um, you know, it was one of those things that didn't work in our favor, you know, but we talk about it all the time. It's a next play mindset and mentality, and um, that's exactly what we had to do. You're pretty hard on yourself for some other red zone decisions. How come? Well, it was just a bad play call. You know, really, when we first get down there, you know, we had a couple plays called in that certain sequence on our first red zone possession of the mm-hmm. day. Um, and, and I obviously was wrong on what I anticipated. Dennis Allen calling right there. Uh, it led to us calling another play, which was a, a quick screen that, you know, it's just not a high percentage play. It's not something that's indicative of, of what you want to do and, and some of the spots we want to put our players in. But um, there's always those situations that come up. But that one in particular really stood out. Uh, uh, that where you end up having a chance to come away with some points, you know, hopefully a touchdown. Those are those four point plays, and, and you got to make better decisions for your team in that situation. I think some people have it backwards. Like red zone can be considered easier for the defense. You don't have to go as far. It's tougher for the offense. Definitely, yeah. You don't have vertical grass to defend. Everything's tighter. All the windows are condensed. Um, so it is, you know, just because there's less field to defend, everything's got to be that much more precise, uh, that much more on time and in rhythm. And then there is an element of creating off schedule and winning some of your ISOs if they do play some one-on-one looks. 
In the running game, what did you like against the Saints with the toss play to kind of get to the perimeter? You had some success with that in both directions with both backs. Yeah, you know, there was there was just some different looks that they were presenting. Our guys were doing a good job securing the edges. Uh, and really, I thought both Malcolm and Todd had some good hits where they were able to run around the edge. Uh, our guys, again, you know, whether it be the receivers, the tight ends, did a nice job securing some of those blocks that got us out on the edge. But uh, it was really, you know, that's one of those plays that we end up liking. And, and really, uh, you know, when you're successful with something, you might find some creative ways to kind of revisit it, and we did that in a couple instances yesterday. Uh, Gurley scores a touchdown, and he extends his Rams record for most touchdowns in the first 60 games of a Rams career. He's got 57 through 60 That's career awesome. games. I don't think he was going to be denied on that touchdown. He was not. Run. He yeah. made a decision that he was going to find the he was going to find that front pylon, and he did a great job right there. I was thinking, what's that guy's name from the All-Star Game baseball player that ran over somebody and broke his arm? <laughs> not in the Hall of Fame. Anyway, it's that play and Todd Gurley going yeah. towards the pylon. I mean, going back a few years, I remember there were some issues with that, but since then... Ray Fossey? Not Ray Fossey. <laughs> Pete Rose, Pete thank Ray. you. Pete Rose running over the, the catcher. That's <laughs> what I thought when Todd oh, Gurley guy. went in. Yeah, absolutely, that guy, not in the Hall of Fame. But same thing, I mean, just that dedication and that determination to, to get into the end zone. I'm not going to be denied here. Yeah, he, he was he was not going to be denied, and, and sometimes you can just see, he's, he's one of those players that has a great feel for once you get closer, being able to finish those types of plays and punch them in, and thought it was a great example, too, of going through the pylon, not extending the ball or anything like that, and, and he did a great job punching that one in for us. Do you get in the feed-me mode, like... Todd feels like he's hot. Let me just feed the beast for a while and see how much we can yeah, get with I, I that. I think you want to be able to give him some touches. I think we always want to be smart, too. You know, you want to have a balance. Uh, you want to get your playmakers involved, but it's also about, you know, moving the football and doing what we think is best to get down the field and ultimately come away with points. Uh, Sean McVay, DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long, a week three edition of the Coach McVay Show. The Rams are off to Cleveland for their next contest on Sunday night under the lights. Uh, Malcolm Brown is making what he does look easy, but in limited reps for a backup running back, mm-hmm. it's not. And, and so many running backs feel like they have to get the touches to get into the rhythm of a drive and an offense. You put him in, and he's ready from the first handoff. Yeah, he's he's consistently done that. And you talk about a guy that's been running strong with the football, breaking tackles, leveling runs off, been efficient, uh, just hard, tough, earned yards. And, and really, he's had two good games, uh, and he's had you know some timely runs for us in situations that we've had to have. On the right side of the line, uh, Rob Havenstein's had some really difficult assignments through two weeks. And as I watch the team over our shoulder, the Cleveland Browns, there's another one coming, I'm sure, this Sunday. How can you get your best from your offensive line this week against a very difficult Browns team? Well, I think it starts, you know, let's have a great week of practice. Let's do a good job of putting together a plan that gives them a chance to, you know, have some success. I think we've got to be efficient on those early downs. But it all goes back to some of the similar things that, you know, end up winning and losing games, the fundamentals, the techniques. um, And really, it's all 11 playing together. You know, so much so much is made about, you know, the offensive line, especially when you talk about sacks or different things like that, but really we talk about those types of things are on all 11. Everybody playing within the timing and rhythm that we talk about. Linemen using the proper techniques, all right? What type of protection are we in? Uh, where is your help? You know, what are, what are all the little nuances? There's just so many things within the framework of each play that go on, uh, but if everybody does their job, if there's clarity that's provided from the coaches, then, you know, we're confident in our players' ability to execute. Speaking of all that, 
how's Brian Allen doing? He's one doing week good. to the next. Yeah. He's done a really nice job. You know, he's physical. He's tough. It's not too big for him. I love the way that he doesn't get phased when things don't always go our way. Uh, but very confident. Again, similar to what we've said about Taylor Rapp, Brian Allen is a mature, younger player. I know he's not a rookie. He's a second-year player. But for a guy that's had his first two starts in the NFL, uh, you wouldn't know it just based on the way that he is before a game. He's got a focus, a concentration, and, and a confidence based on the way that he goes throughout the course of the week with his preparation, with uh, Aaron Cromer, with you know Zach Cromer, with Andy Dickerson, and those guys have done a really good job getting him up to speed. We talked earlier tonight about how difficult it is to get first-team reps for backups, specifically quarterbacks. But for the better part of last year, because of your veteran days, both he and Joe were able to get first-team reps this time of the week. Has that borne out in terms of their ability to be ready to go as, quote-unquote, redshirt freshmen? Yeah, I think it, it, it really helped us, JB. And, and to be able to do it that way, especially when you do have guys like John Sullivan, Roger Saffold, and Andrew Whitworth, you know, it provides an opportunity that really just isn't typically the norm. And in a lot of instances, that's going to be what David Edwards will benefit from this year, you know, with some of the days that we are smart with with Andrew Whitworth throughout the course of the week. So um, that approach, I think, helped those two guys to get reps that they wouldn't otherwise. And, uh, you know, if there's a redshirt year in, in, the, in the pros, that was that for him. <laughs> I guess not being too big, does that go back to draft prep? I think like, so. Yeah. I think I think it does, and then ultimately you really don't know until you get into that real game action and, and you feel, okay, here here we go. Now we'll really get a chance. You know, everything is always a projection based on, you know, the draft and, and things like that, but you get a chance once you actually get into, all right, here you go. You're really starting. Let's see how you handle it. And, and through the first two opportunities those guys have had, it's it's been encouraging. For the second week in a row, the Rams' next opponent is playing on Monday Night Football. As we chat with Sean McVay, uh, we will have a breakdown of the Browns before we're done tonight. But next, it's a segment we call Audibles, your questions directly to the head coach. Are there any Rams players who have a future in coaching? We'll pose that question after this on ESPN LA 710. All right, let's have some fun with Audibles, your questions from social media, directly to the head coach of the Rams. And we begin with Austin, who probably uh, thinking along the uh, heat and humidity that we experienced at the Coliseum yesterday, wondered, did you have any ice cream to celebrate the victory like Eric Weddle does after wins? Not quite the spread that looked like Coach Weddle had, but uh, I did have some, uh, I had a nice cookie ice cream sandwich at home. My uh, my fiance, she gets some good so the, the chocolate chip cookies with the ice cream in, in the middle. It's pretty, pretty dang good. You were on one. the sideline. What did you celebrate with, DeMarco? You mean like right after the game? Anytime after the game. Uh, Gatorade. <laughs> Gatorade. It was off. hot, hot again, yeah. <laughs> hot again, hot day. That's a cool Weddle tradition, though, and I yeah. heard it made its way into his actual contract here in L.A. Yeah, you know, I... I uh... I, you know what? I don't know. I, I really don't know too much about it. I just know that he's a pretty disciplined eater, and then if he wins, then he, he lets himself uh, have some fun with his family. <laughs> Let's uh, continue with the weather theme. Robert asked, the forecast for Cleveland next Sunday already shows rain. At what point during a week would you look at the weather forecast, and how would that factor into a game plan? Yeah, that's something that you look at. It doesn't really, you know, factor into a game plan as much as let's make sure that we've got a plan if it does go that way. And then you also also work, you know, some wet ball drills throughout the course of the week. So it does affect a little bit of the, you know, the practice preparation in terms of just making sure that if those are the elements that are presented, the guys that are used to handling the ball, you know, you give them an opportunity to to handle a wet ball because it is different than when everything's dry. And, you know, even if it does rain, our equipment guys try to do as good a job as they can keeping it dry so that that doesn't become a factor. But you want to try to create some of those stressful scenarios if they might present so themselves. So on a nice sunny day, you have a bucket of water, dip the ball in, yeah, and give it to your center. Yeah, or just be squirting a, yeah. a little squirt bottle on it so that it uh, really irritates uh, Jared. I want 
want that job. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> we come te- on out to practice on Wednesday. <laughs> we teased this one going to commercial. Breath, you asked, is there anybody on the team you think has a future in coaching? I think these guys are too smart to go into coaching. <laughs> um, no, there, there's uh, – there's a lot of guys that I think would be great if they decided they wanted to do that just in terms of, you know, how smart they are. You know, you've heard us consistently mention, you know, a guy like Eric Weddle, I think a guy like Andrew Whitworth. There's there's so many guys that have been playing for a while that I think would seamlessly transition um, into that role because they are great teachers as players right now. And that's really what a coach is. You know, uh, you want to be a good teacher. You want to be able to communicate. And, and I think, you know, there's a lot of players that are great examples of that. And those are guys that stick out to me. You got one now, Matt. Daniels. That's right. I watched him play, and now he's coaching. That's right. Yeah. He, and he's a, he does a really good job for us. And L.A. Ram with our next question on Audible's, your social media questions directly to the head coach. Have you ever considered using Aaron Donald on offense in an angle situation? I know you don't spend much time on social media, but Aaron has gone viral a couple times in this offseason for his footwork drills. Yeah. And that's what uh, stimulated this question. I think, uh, you know, I would never say never right there. He's doing, doing a heck of a job, you know, playing a, a big role on our defense. Um, if we feel like we need some of those situations, then uh, then I definitely don't have any problems thinking that he would execute at a high level. I wouldn't mind seeing it. <laughs> I'm looking Why at the not? defensive lineman uh, in the room. Uh, changing gears with Terry, our next question. Who is the most superstitious player you have ever coached? Does anyone come to mind with pregame most superstitious? superstitious? Uh, I really can't think of anybody. You know, I... It's hard to say. Do I mean, you have any? I really don't. You know, I mean, we, I have a consistent rhythm, but to say, like, if that's thrown off, if you think that's going to affect mm-hmm. whether you win or lose, you know, I'm, I, that's not really. We just go about our normal week. I really can't think of anybody that stands out. I know that's a boring answer, but that's really the truth. The Coach McVeigh Show presented by in and out That's what a hamburger is all about. We continue with audibles, your questions from social media. We pose them to Sean McVeigh. Uh, let's go to uh, a little bit more football-oriented here with this next one. Ed wondered if, uh, with the fourth quarter of the game likely in hand, you considered using Henderson to ice that one. Yeah, you know, that's that's something that in the midst of the game, you know, you're thinking, all right, let's go with our guy and, and, and Todd and, and let him continue to close that out. But when you think about, all right, it was 27-9, to nine, uh, that probably would have been an opportunity that you say maybe we should have gotten uh, Daryl a couple carries and continue to get him some experience if you're fortunate enough to have those things come up in the future. So. Uh, in hindsight, sitting here today, that probably would have been something that I, I wish I would have thought about. But, but Todd did a great job at the end and, and, and closed it out for us. And, and if those opportunities in a positive way present themselves again, I think you can expect to see Daryl get a chance. Uh, Coach Miller listens every week. This is more of a philosophical question, I guess. Are some of your offensive innovations uh, variations of the wing T? Do they have any roots in the wing T? Uh, I don't know about. I mean, a lot of the things that that I learned, you know, going back to my high school days, you know, triple option wing T, kind of similar principles. But football is a numbers game. How much can you just try to create numbers? Whether it be by reading a defender, by booking somebody. So there are some things that you know just naturally will always include. I don't know if. It's, uh, you know, the origin is with the wing tee, but it's always about trying to recreate numbers, uh, leverages, and angles when you're playing 11-on-11, 11 11 and, and ultimately, you know, how can you recreate some of those things uh, based on what you're doing, and, and the wing tee does do some of those things, and, you know, you could look at, you know, it had a similar principle when we ended up handing off to Robert Woods the first week of the season against Carolina. Um, yesterday, didn't have quite as many of those little wrinkles, but I could see that, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Does your offense have a name? 
your system have an aim, or is it the Rams just, offense? Just the Rams yeah. offense, period. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, just another question on that, and this is about your philosophy towards winning because I have this debate all the time. If you were, if you could turn around and hand it off and get ten yards per carry, a first down per carry, yep. why would you ever throw the football? Yeah, yeah. It, it, the the goal is to is to move the football and to score points. Period. And so that's 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 really it. You know, I think you'd ideally like to be able to stay balanced because you're making teams defend the run and the pass. That's what you always hear. But but for us, you know, it's really let's let's do what we think is the best way to move the football down the field and ultimately come away with touchdowns. And um, you know, sometimes we think it's run, sometimes we think it's pass, and uh, a lot of the times I make a wrong decision, the players make me right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Andrew noticed that uh, it had been reported that Cooper Cup will on occasion drop into a quarterback meeting just to have a better understanding yeah. of the offense on the whole. He wonders if any other players are dropping in on other position groups' meetings or if they're full of meetings as it is. I think we have a lot of guys that just love football, and, and Cooper is certainly one of those guys. Um, you know, There's a lot of examples of you know even linemen coming in there. I think guys just enjoy the camaraderie, and it often happens where the quarterbacks have a little bit more meeting time because they're not involved in some of the special teams meetings and, and different things like that, and just because there is uh, ultimately a lot more information that those guys have to digest in a given week for the game plan, so uh, there's a lot more interaction, and there's a little bit more meeting time set aside for them, so You'll get Cooper that'll jump in there. Some of the different receivers, you know, you'll have some defensive guys come by there, you know. So uh, I think it's just a bunch of guys that love football and they'll kind of pop their head in there. And when football's being talked about, usually guys want to be able to learn or, or kind of just, you know, talk a little bit back and forth with each other. Uh, thanks to all of you who submitted questions this week and every week. Next, we will talk about the Cleveland Browns, but we also want to get Sean's uh, thoughts about the NFC West with some teams off to strong starts in Seattle and San Francisco. We'll do that as we continue live from Thousand Oaks on ESPN LA 710. Bridgewater calls for 10 gate in motion from his right against a four-man rush. He's hit. He's ducked. Ball comes out. Looks like it's recovered by the Saints at the 24-yard line. Hello, Clay Matthews, and welcome home. A sack in the Coliseum, his former stopping ground. All right, welcome back to the Coach McVay Show, Week 3 edition. The Rams are off to Cleveland, and it will be a special Sunday night for the Matthews family, part of the festivities on Sunday Night Football. Coach. Yeah, really cool for for you know his family, his dad getting inducted in the Browns Hall of Fame, and hopefully it'll lead to getting in the NFL Hall of Fame as well. He'll, uh, you know, he'll, he certainly has a case for it. I mean, what's in the blood? Those guys just play forever. It's unbelievable. <laughs> they got something going right in that family, wow. don't they? Yeah. We'll talk about the Browns here in this segment, but first I want to just touch on the NFC West high level. Seattle and San Francisco, like the Rams, off the 2-0 and starts. I think we all felt that the division was going to be even more challenging this year, but the early returns certainly backed that up. Yeah, they've done a great job. You know, when you look at it from afar, San Francisco, two big road wins on the East Coast to be able to beat Tampa and and uh, and Cincinnati, and, and really it was impressive yesterday the way that they won that game. You know, Seattle to, to win at Pittsburgh, you know, and, and to be able to win a tough home opener against the Bengals. They've the, Both those teams have done an outstanding job, and, you know, Arizona to come from behind and tie even in week one against a Detroit team that beats a really good Chargers team yesterday, mm-hmm. you know, and then uh, to go toe-to-toe with, with Baltimore, who who looks really good in the first couple of weeks? Uh, you know, really every everyone in the division is tough. When do you give yourself time to look at the division or just around the league after um, the game? Yeah, I mean, you'll look at the scores, and yeah. you know, I, I saw they they got NFL prime time back, man. Not Tom, bad. <laughs> you know, I was watching Tom Jackson and Chris Berman. So uh, that's on ESPN Plus, though. But uh, it was, um, you know, I think it's just something that you enjoy. But you look at the scores and then the highlights. You know, everything's so accessible. Uh, turning our attention to Cleveland now. The Browns are playing in New York as we speak on Monday Night Football. 
Coach, they're a franchise trying to reach the playoffs for the first time since 2002. You came into this organization and did something pretty special, helping to establish a winning culture. Can you relate to the challenge that the Browns are going through right now, trying to match the expectations of their fan base? You know, I, I think it's hard to say just because, you know, each season is so different. You know, and, and fortunately, when you come in here, we have great players in place, you know, some people that you felt really comfortable with working with from the jump, great coaching staff, and, and things, you know, have worked out. But it's a great challenge for us to continue continue to try to do that you know we've started 2-0 and and you know you ask guys to say who was 2-0 and last year and nobody could tell you because there's still a lot of football mm-hmm. left and uh, you got to earn it every single day and, and the goal is to get to 3-0 and but um, the the Browns have done a really good job you look at what coach Kitchens you know did last year with that offense and then you know moving into the uh, you know the full-time role this year it's it's uh, it's been you know those guys have a bunch of good players and, and they got good coaching staff it's going to be it's going to be tough for us say hype aside they got some good players heck yeah. Jay's good. Baker Mayfield's fun to watch. Oh, yeah. yeah. Bunch of playmakers. I mean, you look at some of the guys that they have on defense flying around. You know, you mentioned it earlier with Miles Garrett and, and some of these different guys. So uh, every week is a challenge in this league. But, um, you know, especially going on the road, that, that uh, the dog pound will be excited. Uh, OBJ apparently wearing, I'm not sure the pronunciation here, Richard Meal. Is that the name of the watch company? Why are you looking at me, man? <laughs> I, right. thought, I thought you might have a $2 million watch in your collection, I think DeMarco. that would be his no. department. Uh, I know yeah, you yeah. like a nice watch, but would you ever wear one on the sideline, much best play with one in an NFL game? Hey, that's uh, You know what? He's He's got some style. He's got some swag, but I, I don't know about it. I, I'm not, I don't even know what kind of watch that <laughs> is. Apparently I'll be the only one clean. looking for OBJ's wrist wear yeah. uh, next week. But they did run a lot of three wide receivers in their week one loss to Tennessee. I haven't seen if they've come out with a similar plan here. But if so, that's a familiar look from what your defense has been going through the better part of the offseason, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And, and you know, they they actually, I know last year, going back to last year, they mixed up some personnel groups and, and did a couple different things. They'll change it up a little bit. But, uh, you know, Coach Kitchens does an excellent job. And like you said, they got the uh, really good trigger man in Baker Mayfield going into his second year. Um, you know, and it's going to be another, just like, last, just like yesterday was, it's going to be another good challenge for our defense. And we're hopeful to have another good performance. Congratulations on another wire-to-wire victory, the home opener against the Saints. DeMarco, we will chat more this week on Rams All-Access. No Sean, have a great trip to the Thanks, East Coast, guys. and good luck in good luck in prime time. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday night, 6 o'clock, with that Rams All-Access program as we continue to lead you up to the Sunday night showdown between your Rams and the Browns. For head coach Sean McVay and DeMarco Farr, I'm J.B. Long, and this has been the Coach McVay Show on ESPN LA and the ESPN app.